15 so much as uh, look at a few verses and then consider what Jesus meant by when we abide in him, we would produce fruit. What's this fruit that he's talking about? So in John 15, um, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. In verse number four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. In verse seven, abide in me and my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Here it is, my Father, glorify that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. So Jesus talks about uh, bearing fruit many times here in verse 2, 4, 5, and 8. Um, bearing fruit, and then more fruit, and then much fruit. And, and so we see it's necessary. We see it's needful. We see that if we're saved, we're supposed to have it. Well, what's he talking about? And that's a very important thing if Jesus says, now, if you're saved, you're going to bear fruit. And if you're not saved, you're not going to bear fruit. And you should pray that you would bear fruit. And God is glorified in your, if you bear fruit. And you'll have joy and peace um, in the process of bearing fruit. Well, it's, I think it's important that we understand what Jesus means by that. Because if we leave it vague, or if, if it's never clarified for us, well, we can fill in whatever we want there. And we can make our own rules and our own list of things that what bearing fruit is and what bearing fruit is not. And if you and I started making up our own rules of what bearing fruit is, you know what it would be? It would be all the things that we do and all the things that we like. And the things that we don't do and things that we don't like, well, that wouldn't be part of the rules. But, but uh, bearing fruit um, does have a definition in Scripture. I read a story of a, a guy, he's a... Episcopal priest now, but he grew up, uh, he was a Baptist, and he said he liked this uh, uh, girl. She was a Pentecostal holiness uh, girl, and and she uh, she asked him to come to church with him, and so he, he said that he could, that he would, and he went, and he said that had a woman preacher, and he said she preached about, um, you know, not smoking and not watching TV and not listening to music and, and all these things. It's on and on and on about what holiness was. And it was all about outward things. And so all the things that she didn't like, those were sinful. And listening to that sinful music and watching that sinful TV and going to those sinful movies and, and on and on. And he said, um, after the service, she came up to him and just him and her and said, you know what? I've heard you listen to those Merle Haggard uh, albums. And um, she said, I kind of like Merle Haggard and winked at him. <laughs> but I thought it was funny that, you know, she was preaching about that wicked music and, and all those things. But she was preaching against the music she didn't like. But uh, she liked Merle Haggard, so Merle Haggard was godly. It was okay to listen to, listen to him, I guess. But see, that's the way we do. We, we would make our own rules, but we would just pick the things that we liked. And say, well, bearing fruit is all the things that I do, and all the things that I don't do. Well, that that's not needful. Well, what is it to be to bear fruit? 
The other danger is we might add to what the Lord says and, and add laws to what Jesus doesn't say, right? And so we might say bearing fruit would be and add, and add more to what Jesus says and then put ourselves in the, under a law and a burden that no one could bear, that not even ourselves could, could bear. So it's very important for us to know what this fruit is. William Tyndale said in the, his preface to the translation of the book of Exodus, he says, if any man asks me, seeing faith justifies me, why I work? I answer, love compelleth me. For as long as my soul feeleth what love God hath shown me in Christ, I cannot but love God again. And his will and commandments and love work them, nor can they seem hard to me. Bearing fruit is um, keeping, keeping the law and doing good works. But we have to remember from the outset that bearing fruit is a result of what Jesus has done. Now, William Tyndale was, was translating the word of God into English. You had a whole nation of people who spoke a language and didn't have a Bible in their own language. And, and he wanted people to be able to read God's word and to know God's word. And he wanted the, the plowboy to know more of the scriptures than the Pope. He wanted the common man to be able to open the Bible and to read the Bible and to, in his own language, hear the words of the Savior and to not it be kept in the hands of priests and not kept in the hands of, of um, churchmen, but for every person to be able to hear and to read God's word in their own language. Well, that was a tremendous work that he did. It was a dangerous work because there were many people that tried to stop him. They said, well, why, William? Why would you do anything? Why would you do these things? Well, love compels me. He felt the love which God had showed to him in Christ. He felt the love that, that he had in the justifying declaration, or the declaration he was justified in Christ, declared innocent, and he said but I can't, uh, that, that that love, that work, that command that he had given to, me, given to him um, was, was a joy out of gratitude for what God had done. So when we look at these, um, this fruit, we see that it comes bubbling up out of us as gratitude for what the Lord has given us. So when we look at the, the fruit that was within us, we don't want to, again, make it to, to be something that we're trying to earn God's love, but we are obeying God. Right? God does command us to follow him and to, to do these things that we'll look at. And there's fruit that it just comes from within, but as we read in Second Peter, that we can add to those things. But it is not in order to become saved, it is not in order to become justified, but it is because we are justified. Many believe if we preach the free grace of Jesus Christ and speak of assurance and justification, then people will stop pursuing holiness and justification or pursuing holiness and get lazy. Well, that's the doctrine of Roman Catholicism. And why is that? Because Jesus says that if we abide in him, we will bear fruit. That is the mark of Christianity, that we bear fruit by abiding in him. And that is the work of God in us. 
And so we can believe the, the grace of God and receive the grace of God and knowing that God's work of salvation wasn't on our part, but also God's work in sanctification is God's work in us. So Christ is for us and Christ is in us. He's for us in justification. He's in us in, in sanctification. And we can, we can rejoice in the grace of Jesus Christ and from a spirit of gratitude, obey him and serve him and glorify him in our works. Um, I read where um, there was a Catholic bishop who in 1555 lay dying. Now he was a great persecutor of Christians. And he said someone came to try to comfort him with words of God's promises and grace, free grace by of justification by the blood of Christ. He said, what? Will you open that gap? Talking about justification by faith. He said, to me and the others in my case, you may speak of it, but once this window is open to the people, then farewell all good. So here he is dying and someone comes to comfort him. And he's not going to comfort him with that popish religion. He's going to comfort him with the grace of Jesus Christ. And he comes to tell him that you can have everlasting life through the work of Jesus Christ and him alone, that you are justified, declared righteous freely by the work of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Christ. You can, you can be forgiven of all your sins. He says, oh, you can't be talking like that because if you start talking like that, then nobody will do anything. See, the, the Roman... Catholic way is to rob of assurance. So you can't have assurance if you're um, a Roman Catholic unless you, um, I think if you die a martyr, then you can be assured of your salvation. But that's not much of assurance. Uh, you only get a few seconds of it if you die as a martyr. But why is that? Well, they're afraid people get lazy and people won't give. So they have to always be fearful, always be fearful of losing their salvation, fearful of going to hell and fearful of going to purgatory. And so they, there can't be assurance. Uh, that's in their documentation. You can, you can look it up. But they are against assurance. They're against that because they say, well, people won't do good things. They won't come to church. They won't give money. They won't do good works unless they're afraid of, of losing their salvation. Well, that's not how the apostles taught. That's not what you find in the scripture. That's not what Jesus taught. That we are, we produce fruit because of the love that we have for the Father. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken unto you that your joy, my joy, might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. The gospel of grace that we are fully and completely saved and forgiven and justified and declared righteous is not a dangerous truth, but it is the truth. Now, might somebody take that and run with it the wrong direction? Maybe so, but um, they can also take it the other, you know, you, you start preaching the other direction, they can take that the wrong way too. Um, our, our duty is to believe what the scriptures t say Instructing the right way to go and, and, and rest in God's promises. Well, this fruit 
that we bear is this holiness of life is the fruit of God's saving grace. So a bad tree is not going to produce good fruit. And so if you're a bad tree, you may produce fruit, but it's not going to be good fruit. It's not going to be holy fruit. And only a good tree is going to produce a good fruit. Well, how you become a good tree? Well, that is the work of God. Um, that's the work of God in us. Is God's grace in us. Here, in this illustration, Jesus says that you're either alive or you're dead. And if you're alive, you're in the vine because you have life, and then you're going to produce fruit. If you're dead, then you're not going to have anything. So, holiness is the fruit of God's saving grace. Um, repentance and faith, all these things are fruits of God's grace. It's not the root of grace, but it is the fruit of grace, that, that grace comes first. So what is this fruit? Well, let's look over in um, Romans chapter number 8 to start with. It is the work of God's Holy Spirit in us. It is the work of grace in our hearts. We'll start in verse number 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the, after the Spirit. So we are saved by Jesus Christ, and now the law cannot condemn us, which are in Christ. The law can't condemn us. The law can't judge us guilty. For there is no condemnation. Who can, who can lay any charge against God's elect? Well, no one can. Why? Because Christ has paid the sin debt. That we are set free. That we are righteous before God. If we are in Christ, that means the law cannot judge us guilty any longer. And those who are in Christ do not walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. So now that we have life, we're not walking in the old way of life anymore because we have the Spirit. Now we're walking in the Spirit. It is the Spirit working in us. And so that new law that we follow, that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, is what guides us in how we walk. So it is what the, is what's God has worked in us that we are working out. So that fruit that is produced begins by the, with the grace of God and the Spirit of God in us. That righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, not because we can keep the law righteously, but because we have the righteousness of Christ and the Spirit in us, we don't walk after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit. So how is that possible? Because of the Spirit's work in us. What well, goes on, it says, For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So that is the Spirit working in us. To mind the things of God. To think of the things of God. To walk in the things of God. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, where do we get that life and peace? What well, is the spiritually minded man? Life and peace is the fruit of the Spirit dwelling within us. Carnally minded man is the man that has no life. He is the man that is the dead branch or the dead vine. 
that is cut off the branch. It is the bad tree that produces bad fruit. That is the carnally minded man. But the spiritually minded man has the spirit, has life, is united to Christ. And that mind that the spirit gives us is of life and peace. So the fruit of the spirit's work in us is a life of peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. The carnal minded man cannot produce fruit. Because it is not subject to the law of God, it is not subject, it is not in submission to, it cannot and it will not obey the law of God. And it cannot obey the law of God because it is not united to the divine, it is not united to Christ. There can't be any good fruit because there is no life. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can do lots of good things, you can be a good neighbor, you can, you can be... Compared to others, a good person, you can give of your time, you can give of your money, you can give your whole life to helping others. But that is not pleasing unto God because you are not submitting to His Son. But Paul says you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So this is just as Jesus was talking about in John 15. If you have the Spirit, you have life. But if you don't have the Spirit, you don't have Christ. If you're not united to Christ, if you don't have life, if you're not in the vine, then you don't have any life, then you're not none of His. And if Christ be in you, so that's that union that we read of in John 15, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised Him up, Jesus, from the dead, dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So we see here the Spirit's work in us is what produces this fruit. And we see the parallels, don't we, the, of John 15 and Romans 8 where um, Christ was in us in uh, John 15. It says the Spirit is in us here. Um, so we see the, 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 these parallels, but it's the same message, isn't it? That, that we have life because God in us. We're saved because of Christ for us. We have life and produce fruit because God is in us. And so this fruit is the working of the Spirit of God in us to obey what the Spirit would lead us to do. And so people who hear this message will say, you're just you're being an antinomian. You're, you're saying that we don't have to keep the law in order to please God. Well, no, I'm not saying that we abandon the law. I'm saying that we are, we are saved by what Christ has done for us and that there's no condemnation for us in the law, but we walk after the Spirit. Well, what does the Spirit guide us to do? Is the Spirit going to guide us to do something that is displeasing to the Father? Will Christ lead us? Will Christ, who did everything that was pleasing to the Father, that Christ obeyed the Father, as it said in John 15, as we read, that Christ did everything that pleased the Father, will Christ now lead us to do something that displeases the Father? Will the Holy Spirit lead us to displease Christ or displease the Father? Well, of course not. So it's not that 
the law is done away with, it's that we have changed to the law, but that now the Spirit of God guides us into what is pleasing unto the Father. Not for our justification, but because that is what pleases God. So that is a fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit Jesus is talking, is talking about is the fruit of the Spirit in keeping the law um, of God for God's glory. So if we look over in Galatians chapter 5, we see um, some of these, some uh, listing here of this fruit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And if we think about what is Jesus talking about back in John? Love, joy, and peace, isn't it? That he mentions those things later on in the chapter and in John 14 as well. So, let's just be very simple about this. So you got a vine, you got a branch, grapevine, and that grapevine is alive. The branch is alive. It's got vines growing on it. That vine is alive. Then it starts producing fruit. The fruit is the result of the life that is in the vine, isn't it? The branch upholds the vine. The vine is producing fruit because it has life. And so the fruit of the Spirit is the output of the Spirit working in us. So this is what you're going to see. And it's not that we get to pick and choose which one we we like, but this is the output of a regenerate soul. And so if you walk over to a grapevine and there's a bunch of grapes on it, you could say, well, this is a grapevine. Well, how do you know it's a grapevine? Well, there's grapes all over it. The grapevine has life. It's producing fruit. And what it's producing is, is what it is. The Spirit of God is within us because we have life in Christ and we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Those things that are pleasing unto God, those things that are pleasing unto the Spirit, the Spirit will produce in us the things that are pleasing unto Himself. The Spirit is not going to produce things that are pleasing um, only unto us and not unto the Father or to Himself. So, there's a lot of people who you know, talk about the Holy Spirit an awful lot. And they say the fruit of the Spirit is... Uh, is talking in tongues. Going home from church today, boy said they learned how to talk in tongues in Sunday school. I said, oh my goodness. <laughs> but, but that's not the fruit of the Spirit, is it? The speaking in language, uh, a language they don't know, gibberish and that sort of, that's not fruit of the Spirit. That's not work of the Spirit. You know, they, they talk about the Spirit all the time, but it's not the things that the Spirit actually works in us. Because those things that they do, um, by and large, or what they focus on, are not the things that the Spirit promises to work in us. Well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Well, these things are not exciting. They are not, you know, they are supernatural, but there, it's not something that WSAZ is going to come over and start videoing us and doing news stories about us. These things are, are, are wonderful, and and there are changes in our hearts, but 
but they are the things that glorify God. So it's love, it's joy, it's peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. God, the Holy Spirit, works love in us. A love for God, a love for Christ. We all know that prior to salvation, you might go to church, might even read your Bible for various reasons. But oh, once the Spirit of God dwells in you, there, there's a love for God, a love for Jesus, a love for His truth, a love for His doctrine, a love for His house. Is it a perfect love? No, it's not a perfect love. Sometimes it's, it seems it's stronger than other times. But, but, but there's a love there. You read through 1 John, there's many instances that John talks about love. A love for God. A love for the brethren. A love for truth. Why do we have that love? Because he first loved us, John tells us. So God first loved us and he sent his son to die for us. So he chose us first and sent his son to die for us. And now the spirit dwells in us. And now that we have life, we have regeneration. The spirit works that love in us, that love of God in us. And so now the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts for what Christ has done. And our affections have changed. They're not perfect. And we don't look around and compare our affections to other people. But we can look to ourselves and look to the word of God and say, I can see that the spirit of God has produced love in my heart and my soul for Christ. Well, that is a work of the spirit. That's a fruit of the spirit. We're not talking about um, we're not talking about how much love we're talking about. Is there love? Is there love there for Jesus? Well, that is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, uh, Jesus will talk about joy in John 15, so we won't speak much about that, but that's not just a happiness. That that is a joy in the things of God. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Peace with God, knowing that we are no longer under that condemnation, that we now have peace with our God through Jesus Christ. I was reading a little bit about Martin Luther that um, he was, his dad wanted him to be a lawyer and he was going to school, he was going to be a lawyer. He was coming home in a thunderstorm and lightning was striking. He got terrified and he started praying to one of the saints, praying to some woman. I can't remember which woman saint it was, but praying to her and said, oh, if you get me out of the storm, I'll, I'll go be a monk. And he survived the storm and that's what he did. He went to be a monk because he was terrified. Well, he gets there, and he was still terrified of the judgment of God. And he was a professor of theology, and I was reading that he hated God because he read of the righteousness that was required and knew he wasn't righteous. He said he couldn't stand to think about it. And here he was. This was his whole job to teach the Bible to people, and he couldn't stand it because he knew he wasn't righteous, and he knew he had to be, and he knew there was nothing he could do to get that. But it wasn't until he understood 
that you're saved by grace through faith. That he had peace with God. And then from that standpoint, knowing that he had peace with God through what Christ has done, well then he could, he could live. And you know, once we have that understanding that we have peace with God, then we can live, then we can serve, then we can, we can rest and, and have joy and love. So that is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we have peace with God, that we are his sons. And we can cry out to Abba, Father, knowing that in Christ we have peace with God. And you can't make your peace with God of yourself. And, and if you don't have, um, and if you're not in Christ, you're at war with God. But the Spirit of God produces that peace um, in our hearts. Long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience or forbearance or steadfastness. Being able to suffer along through trials, through failures, through persecutions, through ups and through downs. We all have different seasons of life that are rougher than others. Times when um, our faith seems small and weak. Times when we fail the Lord. There's times where we feel like we can, you know, we're very close to God, very close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then times where things seem dark and distant. A fruit of the Spirit is patience, long-suffering, forbearance. A steadfast hope to not turn away from Christ. To not forsake all when all things are dark. To not forsake the Lord. And walk away when there is no, uh, when there is no, um, it seems like an, uh, light to be seen. So that's the spirit of God. Why, you know, some people will fall away for a while. Some people backslide, as, as we say. Well, why do they return? Well, because uh, the the spirit um, produces that forbearance, that long suffering. He will not let his people fall away. Why do those continue to trust in the Lord? And through all sorts of trials, well, because of the Spirit of God working in us. So the fact that you continue to trust in the Lord, the fact that you continue to love Him, is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, remember at the beginning I said people like to redefine these things. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is reading the Bible all the way through every 30 days. Or, or the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, going on mission trips to... Southeast Asia and doing all these mighty things. Well, that's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a continued, steadfast faith in Jesus. A faith that Jesus is your Savior and that you love Him. And then you're going to trust in Him. And you're going to keep looking to Him. And you're not going to try to start working for your own salvation. You're not going to try some different means of salvation. But you're just you're going to be long-suffering and you're going to to carry on trusting in Jesus. So that's a fruit of the Spirit, an evidence of salvation. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's translated, translated kindness in 2 Corinthians 6 6. To have the, you know, the kind words, kind disposition, the gentle actions. Well, that, is, that is the fruit of God's Spirit working in us. Crystal and I were, were talking this morning that how the world seems to, to take these, this fruit and redefine it in its own way. 
Go redefine what love is. Redefine what peace is and what joy is. They redefine what goodness is and even gentleness. And so they said we need to be gentle as, as Christians. And what they mean by that is non-confrontational. To you have your way and I have my way and, and not be confrontational. Well, Paul was a gentle man. But you read through the book of Acts and to some of the debates and so forth that he got in. You say, well, how was he gentle? Well, he was kind. It, it didn't mean that he was effeminate, though. And gentleness with Paul was, so when Peter was not eating with the Gentiles in the book of Galatians, and, and Paul calls him out to his face, and he says, you're trying to make these Gentiles do things that we couldn't do as Jews. You're making them keep the law. Well, the gospel was at stake there. And, and Paul, he said, well, that's not very gentle for Paul to call out Peter. Well, Paul was being gentle and kind towards the Gentiles who were being pulled into a false doctrine. And so he was strong in that he would not compromise. He was forbearing and steadfast, a fruit of the Spirit, for the truth. But he was being kind to everyone, including Peter. So this gentleness, this kindness, is not picking fights just to fight. It's the opposite of what you see. The work of the flesh is wrath and sedition and strife. But Paul's kindness, it was a true love and a true kindness and a true gentleness that he had. Because he loved people. And he did not want to see people entrapped in bondage or ensnared or bewitched, as he said, by a false doctrine. So that's a, that's a fruit of the Spirit, to be gentle. Just to, to be a kind person. There's a lot of hard... There's a lot of wickedness in the world. And there's not much gentleness. There's not much kindness anymore. Everybody's out for number one. Everybody's out for the, their self. Everybody's out to fight and for strife and to, to win arguments. The Spirit of God will work in this a kindness that even when we have to be firm, we can be kind with the way we do it and with, with um, a kind disposition. That's the Spirit of God working in us. Goodness uprightness of life, good words and good works. Do you have that? Well, that's the Spirit of God in you. So you might, just to think of these two things, you might look at your life and say, well, I, I say some kind of harsh things sometimes. And my, my words aren't as kind as they ought to be to people. Do you have kindness? Do you have gentleness? Now, of course, we, we want to add to these things. And I know that I'm not like I ought to be. And so the answer to this is say, well, Lord, I, I see where I can improve in this. I can see this is what you're calling me to do. Lord, help me. Help me to be kind in my words. Help me to be upright in my life. And the Lord can, will help us. That's what we read this morning. But Jesus said, if we ask, he'll, he'll do it unto us. But we look at these things and say, well, am I kinder now than I was before the Lord saved me? 
Am I kinder now than I was 20 years ago? Do I have more gentleness in my tone and my thoughts and my ways with people? And say, well, thank God for His Spirit working in me. Faith is the fruit of the Spirit. So that's interesting that people think that you have to, that it's your faith that causes God to move in order to save you rather than faith being a gift of God. Well, here it says it's a fruit of the Spirit that comes from the Spirit. That there can't be, there can't be faith and repentance without life. So faith is a gift of God. And with that faith from the gifts of God, then He gives us the, the, the gift of repentance. But if you have faith, that is the Spirit of God working in you. So well, where's my fruit? Do I have fruit? Do you have faith? Well, faith is one of those fruits that Jesus talks about. Meekness. Humility. Loveliness of mind. Clark said it's a mildness and indulgence towards the weak and erring. Patient suffering of injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge. An even balance of all the tempers and passions, the entire opposite to anger. It's, it's, it's keeping yourself under control. I know that we can, we can all read that and say, well, you know, I'll lose my temper and I have all these th- feelings uh, of the opposites. Again, is there a spirit of meekness? We're not talking about how much meekness or if you're the meek, if you, it's not saying you got to be like Moses. Is there meekness? I would like to be like Moses in meekness. Lord, help me. But is there meekness there? Well, that is, that is the fruit of God working in you. Temperance goes along with that. Self-control. These are the things that the Spirit works in us. Jesus said that we would have love and joy and peace by abiding in Him. We would have fruit abiding in Him. Why? Because the Spirit is in us, working in us these things that would bring God glory. A.W. Pink said, out of fruit is Christ's fruit, or our fruit is Christ's fruit. So we're looking for fruit. Well, that's Christ's fruit in us. For God's operation of grace are only wrought in and by Christ. If there is any love, it's the love of Christ. If there's any joy, it's Christ's joy. If there's any peace, it's His peace. If there's any meekness and gentleness, it's the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I want to look at one passage, one more passage of Scripture, Philippians 1.9. It says, and, I, and, and this I pray that your love may abound. So there's a love that's a, that's a fruit, right? That the love that we have may abound, it may grow, it may spread out yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. And to the glory and praise of God. Paul says, I want your love to grow. I want it to abound more and more in the knowledge 
of the things of God, that you may be able to know the excellent things to do, that you may be able to follow and abide in Christ until he comes back. I want you to be filled with these fruits of righteousness. I want fruit to be flowing out of you and to be filled to the top with these fruits, which are by Jesus Christ. That Christ is working in you to work out the things that we work out what he has worked in. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. It says in chapter 2 and verse 13. This fruit is worked in us that we might glorify God. In John 15, 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. The Father is glorified by our fruit bearing because we do his works, we walk in his ways. And because it's his will and his power working in us, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has ordained that his people would walk in good works and do good works. Then we are created in Christ Jesus by his workmanship to do good works. And then the Holy Spirit works in us both to will to do good works and to do good works according to his good pleasure. So the fruit whereby the Father is glorified comes from God working in us. And we're his disciples by the outworking of God's fruit in us. God works in us to produce more fruit. Edward Fisher said in the mirror of modern divinity, when faith hath bathed the man's heart in the blood of Christ, it so dissolves and mollifies that it quickly dissolves into tears and godly sorrow. So that, that if Christ but turn and look upon him, oh, then with Peter, and he goes out and weeps bitterly. And this is true gospel mourning. This is right evangelical repenting. That Christ just needs to turn and look at us, and it melts our hearts. Why? Because that fruit is in us. And Christ just needs to tell us of his joy, and that motivates us to obey him. And Christ guides us, and we produce a fruit that, that's in there, and it, and, it, and it comes out by the work of God. Pray unto the Lord, and he said he'll give us fruit, if it, and give us the power to do it. So rest assured tonight, if you have this fruit by union with Christ, have assurance that that is God working in you. And then obey him and your joy will be full by walking with the Lord. And may God bless each one and add the blessing to his word this evening. Thank